Hello and welcome everyone. I'm your host, Simon, pastor of Family Life Ministries here at Christ Central SF. You are listening to Type 5. Whether you are a new listener or have been with us from the very beginning, to thank you all for tuning in. Also, if you have any questions, comments, prayers, please send them to podcast at christcentralsf.com. We've been going through the Psalms and we come to the final one, Psalm 150. Uh, This will be our final episode until further notice. Big thanks again to everyone who has uh, been following along with us, especially for those who have been with us from the very beginning. Appreciate all your support. All right, I'll uh, start here. One question I hated being asked when I was young was, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm sure many of you hated this question because how am I supposed to know? All I was worried about at that age was what I was going to eat for dinner or how I was going to beat Final Fantasy. The last thing on my mind was knowing what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And to make it even harder, we live in America where there are so many choices and opportunities. As a kid, I had a hard time choosing which outfit to wear. I had a hard time choosing which flavor of ice cream I wanted. So trying to decide what I wanted to be for the next 50 years just didn't seem like a decision I should be making at that age. Why do I bring this up? Well, in today's psalm, we find the answer to this question what are you going to be when you grow up not with regards to your earthly occupation that's something you're going to have to wrestle with and figure out as you go through life and school but with regards to your primary occupation and that is to be a people of praise as Christians our earthly job is secondary to this one because your earthly job will end However, your job as worshiper, as someone who praises the Lord, will never stop. It is something we do here on earth, and it's something we will continue to do in heaven. This is what Psalm 150 deals with, and that's coming up right after this. start by reading from uh, Psalm 150. It says this, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Just to give some uh, background information, if you look back at Psalm 146 through 150, you'll notice that they all start and end the same way. Praise the Lord. In the Hebrew, it is hallelujah. Halal is a short uh, form that means give praise. Jah is 
short for Yahweh, which means Lord. So hallelujah is give praise to the Lord. As you can see, this word is used 13 times in our past, in our psalm. And so needless to say, the message of the psalm is very clear. It's praise the Lord. Three questions I want to raise. Where do we praise? Why do we praise? And how do we praise? First, where do we praise? In Psalm 1, the psalmist starts out by telling the people to praise the Lord in the sanctuary. The sanctuary was the designated place where God would meet his people. And as a result, it was the place where everyone would gather for corporate worship. So you can sing praises in your car, in the shower, in your room. But there is something special about worshiping corporately at church. I'll give two quick reasons. First, it's where you meet with other saints. The church is where God's holy people come together to worship God. Our voices are united and they become one and thus are strengthened and and thus God is further glorified. Another reason why the sanctuary was so important was because it reminded the people that they must come with the right heart. Going to the sanctuary was not like going to McDonald's where you can just show up anytime you want. Rather, it was a privilege. It's like if I went to D.C. and I saw the White House, I can't just go there and ring the doorbell. It doesn't work that way. If I went to the door uninvited, I would probably get arrested or shot. Likewise, when you come to the sanctuary... It was a privilege to worship. Now, because of Jesus, we no longer have to follow the strict Old Testament rules. We don't have to bring an offering because he is our offering. We enter freely with confidence because of Jesus. But even then, we ought to come with reverence and awe because we are meeting with our holy God. Matthew 5, 24 talks about how we should be reconciled with our brothers before placing our gifts at the altar. This is talking about coming to worship with the right heart. You cannot praise God while cursing your neighbor at the same time. The sanctuary, the church, reminds us of who we worship and thus helps us come with the right heart. However, verse 1 doesn't stop there. We are to praise Him not just in the sanctuary, but praise Him in His mighty heavens. Notice he starts on earth, but then expands all the way out to the heavens. This is a way to say that we are to praise the Lord everywhere. Not just at church, but we must be known throughout the world as a people of praise. So yes, there is a, a sense where our praise is special when we meet together as a church in corporate reverential worship. But then at the same time, we continue to praise in our everyday lives. We are not... Sunday Christians who worship for an hour and that's it. But we are Christians who praise God as we work, as we study, and even as we play. This means that we are to praise Him even when times are tough, even when we don't necessarily feel like it. How can we do this? Why should we do this? Well, that's coming up right after this. Verse 2, the psalmist explains why we praise. We praise because of his mighty deeds and because of his excellent greatness. 
Mighty deeds refer to God's acts of salvation. For the Israelites, they probably would have thought of God bringing them out of Egypt and bringing them to the promised land. But for us, we have even more reason because we have Christ. We know salvation means being saved from our sins. We are saved from the wrath of God that was waiting for us in hell. There's a common phrase that we're all familiar with that describes this. Give credit where credit is due. If you find the cure for cancer, you're going to be praised more than someone who makes cough medicine. Both are great, but one you could see is significantly greater. The grander the accomplishment, the grander the praise. And for this reason, the one who deserves the highest credit and the highest praise is God who saves us from eternal damnation. Christ is the one who went to the cross and made a way when there was no way. But see, we don't just praise Him for what He does for us. We also praise Him for who He is. There's a uh, common phrase to describe this. We read it on Valentine's cards. It goes, thanks for being you. And this is also important, right? Not just loving the deeds of God and the gifts of God, but also thanking and praising Him for who He is. This means if we run out of things to thank Him for, let's just say hypothetically, that we thanked Him for everything He does for us. Uh, Obviously, that's not possible, but let's just say, even if we did this, we don't stop praising Him because God Himself is worthy of praise. It's like people who cherish diamonds. You know, diamonds really don't do anything, but people love them for their beauty and for their value. The psalmist is saying, we praise God not simply for His mighty deeds, but also because He Himself is great. However, we all know that there are those times when praising God is so difficult. Obviously, when life is good, we can praise God easily. But what about when people we know are dying from cancer or What about when husband and wife fight all the time and are close to divorce? How are we supposed to praise God then? And these are all, you know, hard, honest questions, which is why, again, the Psalms are are so great. It's they teach us that it's okay to cry out in pain. We do live in a fallen world, and it is tough. But what the Psalms teach us is that there's always hope. We can turn to our Father. And know that he is always faithful. Notice the psalm doesn't say praise him because I think he does mighty deeds. It doesn't say praise him because he seems like a great God. No, it says praise him for he is a great God who does mighty deeds. Praise is a reaction. It's something we do in response to something. So if you're having trouble praising the Lord, come to him, receive his love. Find rest from this restless world and remind yourself that you have a God who is mighty to save. Finally, how do we pray? In verses 3 through 5, the psalmist lists off several instruments a trumpet, harp, 
tambourine strings and cymbals. This doesn't mean we have to use those specific instruments. Rather, this is a picture of all the musical instruments. As you can see, that there's a full range right, of instruments, percussion, strings, and wind. However, when we think of praise, the most important part seems to be the words and the voices, not the instruments. The lyrics should be the focus, not the noise. So how do we make sense of all this? What is the psalmist really trying to say here? In order to understand, we have to understand that these instruments were special for the Israelites. These are not just random, ordinary instruments. They had a, a particular meaning tied to them. We see in Numbers 10, Levit Leviticus 25, and other places that the trumpet was commonly used to signal God's victories. It was used for sacrifices at the temple and to summon people for worship. Basically, this trumpet would have reminded the Israelites of, of occasions when they praised the Lord. We see in Genesis 31, Nehemiah 12, 27, and uh, various other places that the harp and lyre were used for dedication of the temple or to celebrate victories in battle. Basically, these instruments would have reminded the Israelites of times of celebration, times when they could rejoice. We see in Ecclesiastes uh, 3, Jeremiah 31, that tambourine and dance would be referred to those times when you have to overcome adversity, when your mourning turns into dancing. Miriam danced after they crossed over the Red Sea and escaped Pharaoh. Lastly, we see in 2 Samuel 6 and 2 Chronicles 29 that the strings and pipes were again used for times of rejoicing. The point is, these are not random instruments, but rather they represent different parts of redemption. Thus, when all instruments are mentioned, it shows us we are to worship God for everything He did with everything we got. If you look at 1 Chronicles 13.8, it states, David and all the Israelites were celebrating with all their might before God with songs, with harps, with lyres, tambourines, cymbals, and trumpets. Once again, all of these instruments are mentioned, but with a key phrase, with all their might. As a result, Psalm 150 is not trying to say you must use you know, exactly one trumpet, one harp, one lute if you want to praise God correctly. Rather, it's saying, this is how you praise God, with all your might. You praise God wholeheartedly. In our day and age, it would be like me saying, you know, this July 4th, let's celebrate our independence with everything we got. Let's have fireworks, barbecue in the backyard, American flag, everything that's significant to Independence Day. Let's do it all because we're going to go all out for our celebration. And praising God must be done the same way with all our heart. The psalmist is, is saying, let's use all the instruments that have significance to praise God, let's hold nothing back. The psalm concludes by answering the question, who praises the Lord? The answer, everything that has breath. For God is the one who gave everyone breath. So everyone ought to use that breath to praise Him. And so the question becomes, not simply, are you praising the Lord? 
But the real question is, are you praising the Lord with everything that you have, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? We all praise something, but only one thing is worthy of our every breath. Take time today to reflect on His beauty, reflect on His finished work, and thank Him accordingly. That's it for this episode and for this series. If you have enjoyed this podcast or if there's something else you wanted us to discuss, please let us know and we'll try our best to accommodate. But till then, hope everyone has a great week. God bless.